Welcome to Plastic Model Mojo, a podcast dedicated to scale modeling, as well as the news and events around the hobby, where we hope to be informative and entertaining and help you keep your modeling mojo alive. Hello everyone, this is Mike Basket, and we thank you for coming back for episode two of Plastic Model Mojo. Dave and I are quite new to all this and we're striving for continuous improvement as we go forward with this podcast into the coming year. So thanks again to our listeners and let's get on with episode two of Plastic Model Mojo. All right, well welcome back Dave. This is episode two, point two I guess, to be completely <laughs> honest. We, we did this once and had some... Uh, bad sound quality due to what I suspect is a bad USB port on my laptop. So let's do this again. Yeah. Well, we seem get, to have got and, it. And nail it this time. That's right. You, you got it. We, Hey, practice makes perfect. Uh, <laughs> you seem to, you seem to have gotten it straightened out. It's, it's sounding good on this end. So uh, let's get started. What's your modeling fluid of choice tonight? My modeling fluid of choice is uh, a bit enigmatic. It is uh, Huber's Rickhouse Select Single Barrel Indiana Straight Bourbon Whiskey, which uh, being a Kentucky boy and you as well, we tend to keep bourbon close to the vest. And many people believe that it has to be from Kentucky, but that is actually not true. Right. Um, but still, but still, that said, Indiana bourbon sounds to me like uh, Canadian tequila. <laughs> Does it taste like Canadian tequila? No, it doesn't. It's uh it's not bad. It's it's about a, a fifty dollar bottle. It was given to me as a gift for the holidays. Uh it's a hundred about hundred and eleven proof. It's a barrel strength bourbon. So it's a little hot. So for me that kind of makes the flavor a little harder and harder to enjoy. Um but it's it's not terrible and it's gonna it's gonna do okay. Well, good. Well, you know, bourbon, even the worst bourbon, still bourbon. It's great. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if I'd do, I don't know if I'd say that or not. But. <laughs> well, and you, I, I'm I'm drinking a little something different too. Uh, instead of bourbon, I have a uh, single malt, 15 year old age single malt Scotch called Dalwini out of, of course, Scotland. Um, I'm. I'm a fan of single malt scotches. I don't like blended scotch whiskeys, but I love single malt scotches. Uh, Dalwini's on the lighter end of the scotch spectrum, which is perfect for me. Um, it's 87 proof. Uh, it's scotch. Single malt scotch is one of those things where you, the first sip, you know, it it's almost like taking a little bit of a, of medicine. It's, you know, you're, you, you grimace a little, your throat tightens a little, but then once that first sip is down, it is nothing but pure Scottish heaven from then on. So uh, I, I don't drink it regularly simply because it's expensive as all get out. A bottle's about 80, $85, but the model wife, uh, generally lovingly once a year gifts me a bottle and uh, I try and make it last uh, as long as I can until I get the next one. Do you get the don't drink it all in one sitting oh, caveat from, from her? Not at all. I mean, <laughs> she, she knows from experience watching me how long I uh, 
I stretch it out to make it last because it is so heavenly. Um, besides, this isn't one of those things that you drink a lot of at one time. Uh, single malt scotch is one of those things where you have one glass at a time over ice and you sip it and, and enjoy it for an evening. It's really great as a modeling fluid. Sounds good. I'll have to give that one a try. I don't drink a lot of scotch, but uh, I'm fair game for, for most things. Well, you, I can guarantee you, you'll enjoy it. So <laughs> what's on your modeling bench? Well, the uh, for our bench time halftime report, my, my PT-76 is moving forward at a pretty good clip now. It actually has all the wheels on it now. So... I ran into a bit of a snag uh, when I was going to fit the tracks because I've progressed from the kit tracks, which were pretty terrible, to trumpeters. They've got a a box set you can buy an upgrade, <laughs> so to speak, for PT seventy six series, but they're really fiddly. Separate guide horns, very fiddly in connectors or in pins and they're not very robust. So I got about halfway through one run of those and decided that one, that was not going to work for me. So I, I went with the frill tracks and because, because those have to be, well, it's not an AB swap. The sprockets have to be spaced out away from the hull to make them work because the, the, the links are wider uh, than the kit tracks. And to do that, that ripples through everything. So the idler had to be spaced out and then the road wheels have to be spaced out. And it, it was a little dicey because I needed a, a shim under the drive sprockets to get those to fit. And then I need a spacer on the axle uh, for the idler to get it spaced out. And then kind of had to wing the, uh, the road wheels because they had really short stubby axles and really no place to put a spacer. So you just kind of had to get them all they're 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 pretty snug so i could get them all on the on the vehicle get them all square vertically and and horizontally and then tack them all down do you and know i managed to get, get go ahead do you know which or were the kit tracks or the frill tracks more scale correct do you have any clue as to that i i don't have a clue um I would I would venture to guess that the frill tracks are, are the closest. Detail wise, they're certainly the best. Mm-hmm. Um, but I really don't know what was going to happen with those plastic link tracks from Trumpeter. I don't know if <laughs> they may not even fit. For all I know. But we've we've gotten through that, and I've got them all on. So next will be actually getting the the links of the track runs correct. I, I'd started those. And they're still in, in white metal. I've got one run that was a little bit too long and I've got one that's a little too short right now. So I got to add some links to one and, and cut a couple out of the other one and then uh, get those, I get them blackened and then weathered and then get those fitted to the model. And then I can add the mud flaps on the ends of the fenders. And I think at that point it's, pretty much done i've got a little painting to do on the canvas cover on the gun mantlet it, right now it's just a, a base coat color of khaki and i want to do some shading on that with some uh vallejo paints but really that's all that's left 
and it will be done. So I'm getting really close. Well, we'll all be glad to see this one cross the finish line. (laughs) Yes, me too. (laughs) (laughs) Well, how about your uh, AS1, is it? Yeah, my AS1 is slightly in a holding pattern, just uh, not because anything's gone wrong. Uh, It's all in bare metal, uh, Alclad. I like the way it looks. However, there are a few flaws I need to go back and clean up. Uh, but I put it on hold simply because I'm one of those people I've got uh, several projects on a bench at the same time. Uh, I'm not sure that's the best idea in the world, but uh, I do it. Um and one of the other projects I have on the uh, bench is the Brengen um, Oka, the MXY7 Oka, the what we all or what the Allies called the Baka or Fool, um, the Japanese rocket-assisted suicide plane, suicide missile. Um, the one-way uh, ticket. The one-way ticket. Uh, usually carried underneath a, a Betty bomber. Um, uh, I've, while I'm not necessarily fascinated with lots of parts of World War II, I am very interested in all of the technological advances that occurred, particularly the ones that were occurring on the Axis side at the end of the war. Um, uh, the... So the Oka was definitely on my list. Uh, and then Brengen released a kit of it. Um, they also have released a uh, mask set for the canopy and a photo etch set. Uh, the mask set is a must-have simply because I, I, I think I said last episode, uh, I'm one of the best developments in the last 30 years in modeling for me has been these canopy mask sets because it was the part of the experience I disliked the most. And it has is very time consuming to hand mask a canopy. Uh, the photo etch is, they sell it separately and it is necessary because it's got, you know, the classic ring and bead gun sight that uh, uh, that you remember whenever you look at a picture of an Oka. And it's also got like a lifting hook eyelet um, and a couple other things. But like a lot of photo etch, not all of it is useful. They tried to uh, mold the uh, mass balances as photo etch pieces, and that just simply does not work. Um it wouldn't look right even if it did work, uh, but uh, uh, it's just about ready, and I think I'm about to push this one along across the finish line. So we'll see well, how how's, it goes. How's the base kit? That's probably not a, a manufacturer that everybody's familiar with, right? Uh, uh, Brengen's out of uh, Eastern, Central or Eastern Europe, Czechoslovakia, Czechia. I think we're supposed to call it Czechia now. Um, it's not your Edward, it's not your Tamiya, it's not Hasegawa, but it's not really short run. It's somewhere in between. Um, uh, the moldings are nice. They're not crisp. There's a little more cleanup than, than you might have to do with, uh, with an Edward kit. 
but they're accurate. Everything fits. Um, it's a very simple kit, as you could imagine. Um, and uh, I got to say, I'm so far, I'm very, very pleased with it. And when I get uh, this one done, it's one I'll be happy to have in my case. All right. Well, good luck uh, getting that one across the finish line. Yeah, well, thank you. <laughs> well, we got off here a little bit. So yeah. you're supposed to start the next one. All right. You noted that out. Uh, so, my, <laughs> so, Mike, uh, what, what was announced for November that inspired you and, and uh, excited you? And what was announced that you really found it to be a yawner? The kit that interested me most in the last month's releases, uh, Ryefield's, Ryefield Models is doing a Sherman 5C Firefly. Now, we've already got the uh, Tasca Asuka Models kit, which is probably pretty good. I don't have it. I, but I, I was looking online at the at the reveals, the CAD photos, and this kit gives a lot of options in the box for a lot of the uh, subtle subtleties and nuances of Sir Sherman's, which there's a lot of, right? Right. There's like multiple drive sprockets, multiple lifting eye variations. Yeah, even within the same model number. Yes. And this kit has a, a pretty unique track construction, which makes it look like, look like those... Uh, big block pad tracks will be a lot easier to manage than they have in the past. Typically the kits would mold those, those tracks just like the real thing and be track pads within connectors with on sitting on little tiny scale pins and, and they'd be fragile. But, but this one has a, a really unique construction where you put the, the inside facing side of the track pad in this jig four or five at a time. And then the end connectors don't fit over pins. The end connectors have integral pins that have a mushroom cap on the ends of the pins that drop into keyed slots in, in the, in the track pad. And then you put the top track pad half over that and sandwich it all together. And you get this, you get two pads that are linked to the end connectors and there's just no way to separate them without breaking plastic. It sounds like some interesting engineering, of course. Uh, some some interesting engineering for sure, yeah. Well, and that's one of the nice things over the last 30 years we've seen in modeling is the engineering of kits and the ability to mold details and mold interesting solutions to complex shapes or, or uh, complex issues. Uh a lot more thought seems to be going into it these days. So, I, you know, I'm kind of interested in it because I've been reading about uh, the engagement at Villers-Bocage uh, in, during the Normandy invasion. And there's a particular firefly I'm interested in modeling at some point. So I would say I'm, I'm probably going to buy this kit simply, simply the fact that I've already got, a, got an interest in it and have a subject in mind. As far as my biggest yawn of the month, it's uh, I'm going to pick on Hobby Boss again. <laughs> they they're releasing a Cross 260B uh, 
truck tractor thing with a, with a trailer. It's another big green Russian tank transporter. Uh, given the holes they've left along in their World War II lines that I mentioned in the last episode, I just, gosh, I just can't see them kidding another one of these big monstrosities. And, and I really wish, if, if, if it was up to me, Trumpeter would stick with the modern subjects and Hobby Boss would kit the the other stuff um i just just not for me so that one's just kind of a category yawn yeah. for me i just just not interested in it and i think there are a lot of other subjects that would interest more people uh but hobby boss is not without redemption uh i made a little error in the last episode uh and speaking with about the uh, bt2 series that they came out with i was kind of saying we needed a bt5 and I incorrectly mentioned that uh, their early BT kit or BT2 kit was a machine gun tank. Well, it's not. They kit both an early and a mid-production variant of the BT2 with the 45 millimeter gun. So they have two gun tanks and they've announced a third, a late BT2, which puts them even closer to BT5 than this middle kit. So I've, I got a sneaking suspicion that eventually we will see a BT five from hobby boss and I'll, I'll really appreciate that when it does show up. So hopefully, hopefully hopefully that happens and I'll buy it and they won't send the hit squad to kill me for (laughs) running down their, their uh, shortcomings. (laughs) You got to be careful about that. Well, it's it's coincidental that you uh, mentioned those uh, Russian tank tank transporters because my yawn this month is also the exact same subject, uh, Model Collect, which I believe is out of the Ukraine. Um, they're doing a lot of 72nd scale stuff and a lot of interesting stuff in 72nd scale. They've, they're in the middle of the B-52 series, which we've needed a new one for a while, and I'm real happy to see. But they recently announced uh, several of those Russian tank transporter and trailer uh, kits. And if you've ever seen these things, they're like 500 parts. It's, you know, I'm sure there's somebody out there that has, well, I'm not sure, but maybe there's somebody out there that's desperate to have these things in their collection. Um that person isn't me. So for that reason, those are a yawn for me. But uh, I will say that Model Collect at the same time announced uh, several of the modern Russian radar vehicles to go along with their previously announced and released uh, Russian surface-to-air missiles. And uh, that's a subject that's near and dear to my heart. I like the anti-aircraft uh, weapons, anti-aircraft missiles, particularly the Soviet ones, because they do a lot more of them. They have developed that weapon. Um, and those vehicles look better when they when you compare them with their uh with their their radar vehicle, so you so you get a match a complete set of the of the weapon system. So uh, while I may be picking on Model Collect a little bit about the tank transporters, I got to give them some kudos for that. But for November, my big my big uh, 
exciting kit was that Airfix uh, announced at Scale Model World in early November that they were doing a new kit of the Avro Vulcan. Uh, this completes the V-series bombers in uh, Airfix's catalog because they've previously released a brand new version of the Victor and the Valiant. Um, everybody kind of expected that they would eventually release a new Vulcan to replace the one that they did back in the 80s, um, which was a fine kit, but it had raised panel lines and some engineering challenges that uh, technology has now caught up with. So I was very, very pleased to see that announced, and that one is definitely a buy when it comes out. And I mentioned in our first attempt at this earlier in the week, and I'll mention it again that 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 plane is kind of the the Spitfire, or the Hurricane of the Jet Age, as yeah. far as iconic RAF aircraft, even more so than maybe the Gloucester Meteor, the first their first jet, because it's just that such a distinct aircraft. Yeah, yeah. In and, many ways, it was ahead of its time as far as the shape, that delta shape, et cetera. When is that kit? This, it's, they announced it pretty early. It, it's not like their normal right. release. That's, that's correct. Normally, Airfix holds their announcements till what they have, what they call as their advent calendar, where they will release kind of pictures of parts of aircraft or whatever else they're making. Um, and so normally they don't announce till the end of the year or right at the beginning of the new year. This one was a special surprise announcement at for Scale Model World in England in, in November. Uh, so it was a kind of an early Christmas present for all of us. They haven't set a release date, but they have already released CAD drawings and um, box art. So we know the process is moving along. I'm betting we would see it by the first or second quarter of 2020. So you, you buying it? Oh yeah, that'll be that's <laughs> that's an automatic that's an automatic buy. There's no question. All right. I just now have to figure out what to do with the two old Airfix uh, uh, Vulcans that I've got in my stash. <laughs> I'm afraid those I'm surprised are, those those were those were not as old as I thought they were. You said they were released in the eighties. I thought right. they might be even older than that. But it, it was done right after the the Falklands War because the, the Vulcan ah, yes. finally finally got into combat in the Falklands War. It's the only time it was ever used in anger. And so it was very popular in England right after right in the 1982 time period no so, that that makes sense so that's when they did the kit so all right well if we're done with our most exciting and least exciting kit releases for the last month i gotta ask you man uh what broke your wallet this month well um this month uh i'm actually gonna reach back to uh Again, the IPMS Nationals, which I attended in Chattanooga in November. Um, one of the things that I picked up there were these two, um, I don't know, you may have seen them on the internet, uh, 
either on forums or discussion groups or maybe a Facebook modeling page. They're called Infinity Easy Cutting Mat Type A and Type B. They look like small cutting mats. Uh, they're harder plastic. They're not a. They're not like a, a one of the green cutting mats that most people model on. They're harder plastic, and they have engraved into them lines and shapes and patterns, uh, very lightly engraved into them in a very thin line, just about an exacto width uh, uh, line Then you fit an exacto knife in. And what they are for is you take the yellow kabuki tape and you've got a particular shape you want and you find that on the mat. You lay the kabuki tape down. The kabuki tape is pretty see-through. And then you can use your exacto to follow the lines, put it into the groove after you've burnished the tape down a little bit and cut the shape that you're looking for. Um, it's really good if you don't have a canopy mask set for uh, an aircraft that you're modeling. You can, through the use of the various shapes on these mats, you can end up cutting the uh, shape that, that approximates the framing that you're trying to mask. Uh, also, it's good for cutting uh, shapes to mask panels, say in a bare metal finish, or, um, you know, just even if you're doing regular uh, weathering and shading on a, on a, a, a painted surface. Um, it's really, I can see them being very useful. I've already tried, used them, uh, and they do work very well. Uh, they're made in Japan. They're superbly engineered. Uh, the groove is exactly the width of the of an X-Acto blade, and uh, the stuff cuts really, really well, and it doesn't harm the mat at all, so these things look like they'll last forever. Uh well, I'm I'm looking I'm looking at it now, and I'm thinking I'm going to have to buy these. <laughs> that's that's exactly <laughs> and, what happened to me. And I'm not not an aircraft guy yet, uh, but this we'll just looks r really useful. It is, and I can see any number of uses for it. Um, they're not because we talked last episode. We talked last episode a little bit about. Uh, I mentioned, I think, if I recall correctly, the uh, those canopy survival kits that have all the pre-cut. Yeah, make shapes tar. on them already. Yeah, and this kind of it's kind of along that same vein, but you yep. can you can you get to do it yourself. Yep, yep. So I, I would imagine with this and and one of one or two of those sets, however many they have, that uh, you pretty much would have it covered. Yep, absolutely. Make tar makes four of those sets. I have two okay. of them, uh, but yeah, between that and this. Uh, it's, it's got your masking, your fine masking, uh, needs covered. Uh, they're not very expensive. Uh, I picked them up at the nationals, uh, and I think they were less than $20 each. And, uh, definitely, you know, you and I like modeling tools. That's, that's a nice set of modeling tools. Well, we'll get these pictures up in the social media when we put this episode up and, Maybe they'll sell a few more to some people. Sounds good. Now, uh, what have you been spending your money on? <clears throat> no, I was bad in November. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, 
I've bought a, a, quite a quite a number of of consumables again. Uh, I've picked up about five different vials of uh, the various earth tones and weathering effects from uh, Adam Wilder. Um, I got a, two two grit levels in his his uh, textured earth line. Uh, these are an acrylic paint essentially with an aggregate in them and there's one that he calls stony it's got a very heavy aggregate in it and the other one is is uh fine i think and it's, it's more like a maybe there's a sand in it or something even even finer than that but anyway they're acrylics so i haven't used them yet because that's going to kind of have to take a a different vein in the way i like i'm, I'm weathering on the on the pt76 i'm trying to get done and then the the other things I bought were a three three vials of again earth tones from his uh, Aqua line, which are they're water based. I suspect they're like an artist gouache, but uh, in in colors more conducive to what we would expect for weathering. And they you can activate them again after they're they're dry with water, so they're an acrylic gouache. I suspect. Hmm. Um, again, now, I've not I've not tried them yet, but worth a shot. Now, do you get your Wilder products directly from Wilder? Uh, I don't know if he sells direct. I don't either. There's a there's a a website on the vials that I've I've not visited yet, so I suspect he does, but I don't know. I ordered these from a third party off off of eBay, mm-hmm. and they showed up here a few days ago. Um, in addition to that, I, I picked up a vial of AK's metal burnishing fluid. It's kind of the same thing as the old, uh, black in it that we used to be able to get in the U S it's no longer available oh, for whatever reason. Huh. Uh, but, uh, it's, you know, it's, a. I suspect it's a mild acid that, that oxidizes the surface of the metal probably. But anyway, I've, I've got that to use on these PT tracks. So I'll actually give that a try here, uh, in the next week and can have a, in the next episode, let you know how that went. Yeah, maybe we can get some uh, photos of it and post it on social media in between episodes so people can see how things are going. Sure. And then finally, on the consumables, I picked up uh, some of the Tamiya Paneline Act Center, you know, which is, uh, I'm sure as an aircraft modeler, you're familiar with it. It's, a, it's oh, yeah. essentially an, an enamel-based wash. Uh, so that's pretty straightforward. Uh, the other is to me now is a paint retarder for their acrylic line. And the biggest, the biggest downside with to acrylics is they dry so flipping fast that you really can't brush paint with them because right. you'll, the second coat always takes off the first coat. Yeah. They've it's never the, been it, good for brush painting. They, it's just, it's just a fact known fact that it's horrible. They're, they're horrible for brush painting. Um, also spraying sometimes even with, you know, using their lacquer thinner or their their acrylic thinner, you can get the pile up of the overspray with Tamiya paints. And I'm I'm wondering if this retarder might help with the leveling of the paint. The the, the brush painting is my primary reason for getting it. Uh, in addition to the consumables, I also picked up about thirty paint brushes. I was really getting low, and I just bit the bullet and bought a bunch at one time. So what did you get? I, I got uh, all all rounds from about uh, 
10 aught or five aught up to about three. I don't really need to go any bigger than that. And I got like four of each. And so I'm, I'm, I'm good on rounds now. I just need to replenish and, uh, we'll get to where I got them from in our shout out of the month. I'll save it for then, but, uh, really got a good deal and I really got some good brushes and I'll be going back to this place. But again, we'll talk about a little more. Um, one other thing I bought, I actually added a kit to the stash in November. Uh, I picked up a, I picked up a Tamiya, uh, French UE tractor, the little French uh, artillery tractor. Uh, Got that from Scale Model Graveyard off Facebook for for a really a really low price. So I went ahead, you know, it's a secondhand kit, but it's sure. all there. Um, went ahead and picked that up. I didn't have one in the stash yet, so so why not, right? Well, I've got a crap load of reference photos because the uh, the military museum up in Auburn, Indiana, where they held uh, an Amps National a long time ago, in their collection, they had one of those. And at that time, that to me, a UE was brand new. So yeah. while I was in the museum, I shot a whole bunch of photos of that. Well, I'm sure I'll be happy to have those <laughs> at some point. I don't know. I don't know where along the timeline that's even going to fall. But uh, sometimes you see something for a price and you, you just know to, to snap it up. Sure. Sure. Absolutely. So, uh, Speaking of buying online and wasting time on the World Wide Web, uh, our special segment uh, talking about where you find yourself going online on a regular basis. Uh, Now, this is excluding YouTube, which is a whole separate subject and a a discussion for an episode all on its own. But this is those websites that you find yourself going back to again and again, either it's a reference site, it's a, it's, you know, uh, an information site, it's a modeling site, whatever it is, it's the place you find yourself going back to on the web all the time, very, very regularly, maybe even every day. So where do you go, Mike? Well, if we've done our homework, we should both have a list. Yes, we do. What's your first? <laughs> My first one is a website called uh, charsfrancais.net, basically frenchtanks.net, essentially, if you put it in English. We'll save the URLs for social media sure, and uh, any uh, any show notes we can put, hopefully, on the website for the podcast. We'll see. But anyway, because uh, they get a little clumsy because they're some of them aren't in English and some of them are long. So yeah. anyway, Charles Francais is an ongoing research kind of database on French armor. It's been, it's kind of old. It's been out there uh, probably since the nineties, I think. And it is just an incredible repository of primarily wartime photos of just about every, every French vehicle, uh, from world war one, you know, the FT 17 up to, I don't know if it goes post-war or not, but certainly they cover the, the American and British vehicles that were used by the French army. Uh, I guess French army in exile that participated in the liberation of France after D-Day. And there's two, two sections 
that are of primary interest on this site. One is a, a chronological list. For example, you could pick 1935 and you would go into this section and it would have all the vehicles that were model, modeled 1935, like uh, Hotchkiss H35, Renault R35, uh, Samoa S35, all, all the 1935-year released vehicles. And w- when you go to any one of those, for the more prominent vehicles, there, were, there will be scores of photographs, wartime photographs of that vehicle. A lot of them are wartime German photographs. Um, a lot of them are factory photographs. There'll be images and sketches from factory drawings and technical manuals and you get on there and you're going to find something you're interested in guaranteed. Uh, some very useful information. The other tab or menu selection that's of, of value. There's one, uh, I'll call it individual classes. It's in French on the website. Uh, so, but it's pretty phonetically the same. So individual classes, they'll have an individual subject like, uh, Char B1 and B1 BIS is, is one category, and it's it's probably the most exciting one on there because the Shars were all Char B1s were all named. Um, each each uh, each squadron would have a vehicle name. They'd all start with the same letter of the alphabet, like A B C D, and every vehicle in the squadron would be named have an A name or a B name, and the the. The creator of this website has managed to catalog just about every Char B1 that was fielded because most all of them were either destroyed or captured by the Germans. And he even has multiple shots of, of many of these because one German unit would come by this destroyed tank and take a bunch of pictures. And then four or five days or a week later, another German unit would come by a rear echelon unit would come by this vehicle and photograph. They'll get a bunch more photographs of the same vehicle. And it's just a, this website just has some really incredible things. And if you're into French armor at all, this is an essential go-to for your reference because a lot of the print references is hard to get. There's several series of small paperback books that have come out out of France, but they've gone in and out of print really quickly and just, if you need photographs, this is the place to go. Sounds like a great website. I'll have to visit it. I wasn't have aware to check of that it. One out. Yes. And your number one? My number one is a slightly different type of website. It's uh, Scalemates. Uh, well, I think the the oh, yeah. URL is www.scalemates.com, but uh, it is a database. It's a giant database of not only nearly every model ever released, but when a kit has been released and re-released repeatedly in different boxings, uh, sometimes cross-kitted by manufacturers, it will tell you that. So I go nearly every day to look and see what the new releases are, and you can filter them by scale or by subject matter, tank, airplane, ship, whatever, uh, decals. Um, So you can filter to your taste and what you're looking for, or you can just go and see everything new released. But the real advantage of Scalemates is that, let's say you're considering building and um, uh, just a, a... 
Japanese N1 J2 uh, uh, Kai, uh, Japanese late war fighter. You can go in and put that in the search bar and it will pull up every kit and every release of every kit of that subject made. It will then tell you what all of the de detail parts that have ever been made as, you know, accessories or, or um, uh, additions to the kit to improve it. Uh, then it'll give you a set, uh, all of the decal sheets where the uh, markings for one of these aircraft have been uh, put on the sheet. And then at the bottom, it will give you links to uh, build reviews and walkarounds of the real thing. It's really a one-stop shop of, uh, uh, of information. Uh, I think it was kind of crowdsourced. I, I, uh, uh, the guy who does it, I know he releases the... Uh, he has a stash scalemate stash manager that you can uh, inventory your in stock entire stash on your phone um, and on your laptop. Uh, you can keep track of what you've gotten decals so that you don't end up buying the same decal sheet three and four times. Guilty. Yeah, it never happens. Guilty as charged. <laughs> but it, it is an incredible achievement. Uh, it really is a must-go-to for any modeler beginning a project or doing a little research about what you want to do next or seeing what's coming out in the future. I love it. So. Yeah, I agree 100%. I, I am familiar with Scalemates, and I use it a lot, and I know – the Canadian guys over on scale model podcast use it a lot and just, they talk about it quite a bit, but yeah, you're absolutely right. It's a, probably a huge crowd contribution to get that kind of information submitted to one spot, but yeah, you can't, can't go wrong at scale mates. And you know, it's amazing on some of these kits, how many times they've been re-released and reboxed and what. Very oh yeah. Like a, like a 72nd scale Heller kit or something. Like right. That. Exactly. Got a, got a lineage of, you know, 40 years and 15 different boxings. Yeah. It's really, it's really cool as a, as just a thing to look back and, Oh, I remember that kid or I had that boxing. Um, it's, it's really just uh, it's neat for nostalgia purposes as well as being really useful to the modeler. So uh, Mike, what's your next uh, must visit website? I would encourage armor modelers particularly and aircraft modelers even ship modelers to go to uh, German eBay German now, eBay go ahead now why German eBay that's an interesting choice tell me more well it's it, it's it's <laughs> it's not to shop for kits in a foreign language <laughs> uh, you, could, you could probably do that there uh, to give some background, you know, I'm a military collector. Uh, German eBay has a fairly interesting military section in it, and we'll provide the direct link to what I'm going to be talking about here at a later time. But to give some background again, the, the hobby of snapshot photography in pre-war Germany in, in the mid early mid-30s was a huge, a huge hobby. Um, Leica was making 
inexpensive and really good cameras and Agfa film of course is the uh the german film name right it's like right kodak in japan or kodak here um so they had this hobby established already and then when when germany went to war they did not discourage personal camera use by individual soldiers unlike we do now yeah uh they didn't think they were going to lose, I guess, and did not mind documenting every every detail of every footstep going whichever direction they were going. So if you get on German eBay, there are literally thousands upon thousands of these individual soldier snapshots taken by some unnamed Lancer during the Polish campaign or the French campaign or in the Balkans or in the Russian campaign early on. Uh, and the gamut of subject matter is incredibly wide. You, you can, you can find photo photos of, of Russian tanks captured, knocked out in German markings. Uh, another thing I like to look at and for my own interest is you see a lot of photos of, of POWs, particularly the Soviet POWs, because you can get a really good snapshot of what those soldiers looked like uh, at the opening days of Barbarossa campaign. Uh, there's aircraft on there, a lot of a lot of trashed and grounded aircraft, but still markings. You might find unique markings. It's just a, a really good source for inspiration and even reference, um, particularly with armor. I, aircraft, I've, I've not really tried to to find a particular subject just because I'm, I'm not primarily an aircraft guy, but if you type a, uh, like Russia Panzer or Russian Panzer in, in this category, this photograph category, I mean, you'll get T26s, BTs, KVs, T34s, all the armored cars. Uh, you'll get pictures of complete vehicles, co- completely decimated vehicles and everything in between. Every once in a while you'll run off across one that is a, for some reason they're taking detail shots. I mean, really close up shots of particular details on these vehicles. That's, you know, why'd they do that? And they're just thousands and thousands of these photographs. And it's really worth looking at. Some of the armor guys have gotten keen on this over the years. I know there used to be a thread on one of the armor focused uh, forum pages, either track link or missing link. There's a guy that every Friday he would, he would post a, links to eBay auctions, selling these photographs of of various things. He's usually picking out the German ones, but, uh, really recommend it. It's, it's really, really a nice thing to go explore and you're going to get a lot of great ideas when you go there. Do you think that a lot of these things are coming to light now as grandparents die off and the kids go through the stuff in the estate and are finding stored away all of these photographs that basically have been stored away since the end of the war. Yeah, I'm sure there's a lot of that. And, you know, the, the military of pickers and dealers have, have gotten these collections and negative roles and et cetera. And there's just, uh, you know, there's I'm, what I'm talking about is just individual photographs. There's also complete albums where soldiers have put together a service album now you get to about 1943 and this, this activity kind of stops. <laughs> Gee, what, what would have occurred in 1943 that might have caused that? 
That's right. Well, he didn't have a lot of time to be taking pictures anymore because you were too busy traipsing back across land once traveled. <laughs> and silver and all those other chemicals uh, become so important to the war economy that... Uh, they're not, yeah, they're not selling film anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. That sounds all like right, an interesting ne- site. Check it out. I what's will. next on your list? Well, it's funny that you miss, mentioned missing links and track links because my next site is um, it's 72nd Scale Aircraft Forum. Uh, back in the old days, at the beginning of the Internet of Modeling, um, there were a couple of large site, forum sites, hyperscale track links, missing links, where all the modelers gathered of every type and every stripe to uh, post on a forum style uh, board uh, and the beginnings of forums. Uh, They were great. They were fantastic. They were a revelation. And then with the development of uh, cheaper and cheaper digital cameras, people started posting finished photos and in process photos and they were just great. Um, the problem with them was that over time with so many people using them, if you had an interest in a particular area, it was like sorting through the chaff to find the one grain of wheat. So what subsequently developed was subforums where people went off and developed their own forum for their own particular area of interest. So instead of hanging out at hyperscale where, you know, you're liable to see everything from a T-34 to a 30-second scale jet to a 144 scale airliner, you could go to a forum that was just your particular interest. There's forums for, there are tons of forums focused on German World War II aircraft. There's forums for Italian World War II aircraft. Um, all specialty subforms, whatever your interest is. Mine is 72nd scale aircraft, and a guy named Robert Wrench up in Ohio runs a forum called 72nd scale aircraft forum. Uh, it's a great site. Uh, I visit nearly every day. I post probably nearly every day in one of the comment threads. Um, uh, I, I go there because I know I'm going to see stuff that is of my particular interest. Uh, I'm going to get news on my particular scale of the hobby and my subject area. Um, the guys on there, uh, there's fewer of them than on one of like hyperscale and all of that. And it's more intimate. And that does seem to control for people who can be unpleasant online. Um, whereas somewhere where hyperscale is <laughs> hyperscale is famous for unpleasant personalities. Yeah, flame wars. Flame wars, right? Any thread after four posts develops into a flame war, and you know. Whereas on these forums, because they're smaller, because they are so much more subject matter focused, um, they're much more genteel. They're much more polite. Flame wars, very, very. I've been on 72nd scale aircraft forum for years. I can only think of once when a personality conflict developed. Uh, 
And that's really what that one was, was a personality conflict. But other than that, it, they're most pleasant places to hang out. So I, I highly recommend for me and folks like me, 72nd Scale Aircraft Forum. But if that's not your particular, particular interest, go to the Google machine or better yet, the DuckDuckGo machine so you're not getting tracked and do a search for 35th Scale Russian Armor Forum. I guarantee there's one out there. Um, I'm sure. And, and you know, go look and, and see if it's a place you want to hang out. Uh, uh, 72nd Scale Aircraft Forum is definitely one of those places where I want to hang out. So, so where do you go next, Mike? Uh, would be prime primeportal.net. Prime Portal is a repository of it's a photo repository. It's cataloged archives. Well, not archives. Well, I guess they are um, walkarounds, primarily, if not exclusively, of all kinds of subjects: aircraft, armor. There's probably ships on there. I don't know. I've uh, never heard of this. Prime Portal. And, and the walkarounds will, will, they vary. They vary greatly. There'll be one of some museum piece and they have like five photographs. Uh, there was a particular subject I was researching fairly recently that uh, had well over a hundred photographs of a subject, which was a joy <laughs> <laughs> to, to, to find that kind of, of uh, information for, essentially free. You know, I had to pay for my computer and all that to find sure. it, I guess. But, uh, once I was there, I didn't have to pay for it. Yeah. Primeportal.net. I really, I'm not sure armor versus aircraft, you know, if it is, if it's centric one way versus the other, but it's, everything's out there and really there's a lot of really great walkarounds. So if you, if you know of a museum piece somewhere, it's probably been photographed by one or more people and it's out there on prime portal. Hmm. Sounds like a great site. And you, you got another one? Yeah, I got one. I got one more for you. Um, and this one's subject matter, uh, specific. Um, one of the areas of interest for me are Japanese world war two aircraft, uh, uh, they're just fa endlessly fascinating to me, the camouflage schemes, the aircraft themselves. Um, there is a website uh, called Arawasi, which is Japanese for wild eagle, um, which was, I think, one of the nicknames that the Japanese press and propaganda used for their pilots as wild eagles. Um it's a blog, and well, it's more than a blog, but uh, the part that I'm most interested in that I go visit quite often is a blog, and it just, it's really interesting. Every day or few days, there's a post. There are tons of period photographs. It's kind of like what you described uh, with German eBay. They have managed to gather together um a lot of period photographs and will sometimes focus on a particular unit or a particular aircraft type. And there'll be uh, text and a ton of these photographs with captions, um, bringing your attention to things that you, that are kind of unique or you haven't seen before. Um, 
the Japanese uh, newsreels from World War II uh, and the China War before that have all been archived on the internet now and are all available out there on the internet. And one of the things Arawasi will do, the folks at Arawasi will do, is they'll go through these videos almost frame by frame and pull out interesting screenshots and photographs. And um, it's, again, if you have an interest in the subject, it's one of those things you can sit there and lose a, a large amount of time just staring and going deeper and deeper into a particular subject or, or whatever they're posting lately. I, it is one of those sites that I go back to quite often. All right. So if anybody's interested in Japanese aircraft, that sounds like the, the place to go right now. Yeah, it's definitely one. So. All right. Well, we're getting close to the end here, I think. So shout out of the month. Is there any product business or person you would like to single out for a little, little, little love? Yes. I'll tell you what, uh, uh, a guy met, on 72nd scale forum and then met in real life at, uh, uh, at contests and such as a guy named Jeff Groves goes by the name inch high, uh, 72nd scale modeler. Uh, Jeff is exactly six feet tall. So that's where the name inch high comes from because an inch and 72nd scale is six feet. Um, uh, it makes, makes me think of inch high private eye. Exactly. Saturday morning. Exactly. <laughs> um, which is where I thought that might've come from initially till I asked him. Well, that's about what it. I thought. Then he, then, then you, you clarified <laughs> that. That's the that's but, uh, funny coincidence. Jeff is an excellent modeler. He is a really good researcher. Um, and about a year ago, in fact, just over a year ago, uh, after some nagging and encouragement by me, he decided to start a blog called Inch High Guy Blog. And you can just Google Inch High Guy Blog and it'll it'll show up. Uh, and what he does is he posts once a day, every day. And sometimes it's a walk around. Sometimes it's an intense uh, re- deep dive research into something particular like... Uh, uh, the Vindicators at Midway or the early B-17 Pacific had schemes or stuff like that. And he's an excellent researcher. Um, other times he, he does, he posts in progress builds from start to finish. Uh, uh, he's one of those guys who'll do a batch build of three or four of an individual subject, um, and then finish them. That'd all be a one-way time. ticket to hell for me if I try to do that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm amazed. I can't. I I'll be honest with you. I couldn't. <laughs> I can't even wrap my mind around doing that. But he's able to do it, and uh, it's a great site. And I I recommend people go there. We'll put the URL out so that uh, people can visit. He's uh, all right. He's my shout out of the month. Okay. Well. Mine gets back to these paintbrushes I bought, and this was uh, a vendor that you you recommended to me. Uh, I was uh, 
expressing chagrin about uh, going to the big box art stores, the Michaels, the Hobby Lobbies, and going to the paint section and only ever finding thoroughly picked over brushes. What was left, the points and tips were always already damaged and they just didn't seem to have a lot of interest in keeping them organized or fully stocked. Not only that, even at those big box stores, they're just expensive and paintbrushes has been one thing that I've always hated buying because <laughs> you get this little piece of wood with some fur on the end of it and it's like $9, right? right. Or $18 or $20. Yeah. So you put me on this company called Zim Brushes, Zim Brush Manufacturing. It's Z-E-M or Z-E-M for our non-American alphabet folks, non, non-American English alphabet, Z-E-M, Z-E-M brushes. And I bought these mail order off their website, which is zimbrush.com, Z-E-M-B-R-U-S-H, one word, dot com. And they've got a nice website. They've got a wide variety of uh, fiber types on their brushes and every shape, you know, you'd find at a big box store. And I ordered from them uh, about 30 brushes this month. 24 of these brushes came from, from him at his, his business, Zim Brushes. And I ordered four of each size that I wanted. And when it's all said and done, it was right at $50. For 24 brushes and I get the box and he's thrown in two freebies on top of that, which I wasn't expecting at all. And just a totally positive, the brushes, the quality's good. They were synthetic sables. I like using synthetic sables because I think for, for our type of performance on, you know, most modeling, it's a, a good compromise to like Kalinsky sables. Yeah. They're, they're cheaper and they last longer and 99% of the use is going to be, you're not, you're not going to have a discernible difference in performance really. And you can put them in liquid cement and paint and back and forth and all that. And, you know, they just, if you take care of them reasonably well, they last a reasonably amount of time. And I was just really pleased with the service I got from them and I highly recommend them. We'll put their URL up uh, as soon as we can. And I highly encourage folks to give them a shot if you're looking for, Affordable quality paintbrushes, man, they're going to be the place to go. Sounds so great. That's it. Sounds great. <laughs> All right. All right. Well, I think we've come to the end here. Come, come to a, right an hour again. By the time I edit it out, we'll be a little over, but not much. As always, Dave, just so many kits. So little time. See you next time. See you next time. Bye-bye. Bye bye.